It is the first Monday of December, and that means net rankings and crazy polls. Women's basketball is giving us a lot to talk about, and it all starts right now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, friends. It is December 5th, 2022. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at The Next. And so happy to have you with us. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Missy Heydrich, but be sure to follow The Next at www.thenexthoops.com as well as on Twitter and this podcast at Locked On WBB. All right, today we are hitting the hot topics. It is this week's AP poll and all of the craziness that got us to this week's rankings. The games, the players who move the polls up and down and all around, and then the acronym that sets literally everyone's hair on fire in college basketball, NET Rankings. Here to help me break it all down is one of my awesome colleagues at the next, Alex Simon. Alex is an AP voter. Uh, So, yes, we are going to go through his votes and the poll with a fine tooth comb today. But, Alex, let's start with, like I said, it's that little acronym that seems to set everyone's hair on fire the first Monday of December because we get the first net ranking. I want to clarify for everybody out there um, what net ranking is, what it stands for. Uh, It stands for NCAA Evaluation Tool. Now, in the world of women's basketball, I want to preface this by saying that it is a sorting tool that is used by the committee when they come to tournament selection to measure a team's quality and help evaluate their resumes for selection and seeding for the NCAA tournament. The old days when we relied on things like RPI, which was a formula of winning percentage, et cetera, we don't really use that as much anymore. But... In women's basketball, it is different than men's college basketball. Net ranking is just one of a host of criteria. So as we sit here on this first day, on Monday the 5th, the first rankings have come out. They'll come out every day now from here until the end of the season. Um, What strikes you as interesting? What was a surprise to you? And again, why does this seem to set everyone's hair on fire right away? Well, first off, thank you for having me. But I think part of it is just that it's it's a system to use that's outside of what we otherwise evaluate teams as. Yeah. Um, and especially, I, I actually like the fact that the net rankings don't just instantly start you off with kind of a preconceived notion and have to bake in like what we thought a team was supposed to be the previous year or what we expected them to be. And we wait, you know, we're four weeks into the season now before we finally get the net ranking. So for the most part, you know, I think the fewest games teams really have played is like everybody's got five, six games at minimum. Some are even, I think Stanford's already had 11 games this season. So by waiting, we do get a little bit more of a sense. It's a more of a, what do you look like right now? Picture via the net, uh, that said, it's there is some parts of the formula that I think why people find it so infuriating at times is that yes. there's a lot that kind of eye test wise would tell you, I, I don't know if I agree with that. And we can get into quite a few of those, frankly, 
but there's there's a few that stand out in particular to me that it's just like wow that's not where i thought that team was well okay so i think it really i mean if you want to put it into sign of a, a simplistic way to look at it net ranking is just ter- is determined by who you played where you played how efficiently you played and then the results of that game of your games right when we go back to saying that this is just a host of the criteria that the selection committee uses, some of those other things that don't factor into net that will factor into criteria down the road are things like your head-to-head outcomes, non-conference records, overall records, significant wins, strength of schedule, um, your strength of your conference. All of that is part of the overall picture when we come to tournament selection, and that's March. We sit here today in December. I'm like you. I'm happy that we don't deal with this in November, that you've got to let people play. Like we've got to right. talk about what we're seeing, what what are teams looking like, what their competition has been. Um, but I also look at it like, okay, who's been willing to go on the road? Who's been willing to channel, uh, challenge themselves? And who's stuck at home and kind of the friendly confines of where they are? You know, sometimes those numbers are a little misleading. So as you look at this, I always try to say, okay, in realistic terms, the net as we sit here today on the first time it comes out, probably your top 70 to 75 are going to be the ones that we will eventually see in the tournament. I think there'll be some movement somewhere. You may drop into the 80s or the 90s, but it's kind of that upper bucket that is the ones that people look at now and that we'll probably see going forward. Well, there's a little bit of a caveat I want to throw to that because of, as you bring up, that the net does evaluate you based off of the strength of your conference. But it does mean that teams in strong conferences can end up getting super inflated super early compared to what maybe their talent is on the court if they play a soft non-conference schedule. One team I want to highlight in part because they've had a really good season so far. And I mean, if you're 10 and 0 at this point in the season, you're 10 and 0. That's not nothing to sneeze at. But Virginia is currently in this initial net rankings up at 25th overall in the country. Yeah. Now, part of that is that they've gone 7 and 0 at home. They really so far this season have not played a very difficult schedule compared to what they're going to get once they get to the ACC. I think they beat Wake Forest already in conference, but for the most part they've been playing mid-majors, most of them at home. They did get a nice one over Minnesota. But Virginia, I think most people would expect them to be at or literally at the bottom, if not near the very bottom of the ACC. But because they are the ACC team, they can end up being inflated early on in the net compared to where they would be. So even with teams that, wow, like there's another one, USC out West is 8-0, and and they're at 27th in the net because the Pac-12 is a really good conference. Mm-hmm. But USC has also played what I would consider a not very tight schedule. There's a team at the very top that we can maybe hold off and get into in a little bit. That (laughs) is very much that team in my mind, especially when you watch them play on the court, but undefeated is undefeated. So we'll, we'll tease that one out for a minute though. Yeah, absolutely. Before we do that, I want to talk mid major because I think that's also one thing that jumps into this net conversation quite a bit. Um, You know, that we are seeing more and more mid major programs make their way into the AP and the coaches poll. Um, A, they're challenging themselves. B, these are solid programs with a lot of talent. We're seeing the transfer portal make a difference, I think, in some of these aspects. But maybe on the flip side, where it's veteran players that are staying at these places for three, four years. And so you have a lot of experience on some of these mid-major rosters. But a few of them that jump out to me as you look at it, I mean, 
I know the Big East is kind of sits in that middle bucket. You're, um, you're going to get somebody mad here. I know. I know. I am. Big East to mid major. I know I am. And I think partly because I'm here in the Midwest, because most people have always looked at Creighton as a mid-major program. And I think that was because of their, you know, former affiliation with the Missouri Valley before they went to the Big East, all of those things. But if I look at Creighton, they come in at number 12, not necessarily, or excuse me, at number 10, not necessarily a mid-major. But then you've got Gonzaga at 20. Middle Tennessee State is the other team in the top 30. And then Columbia, and they are at 26. Columbia sits at 31. So again, I think that this kind of goes back to the who you play, where you play, but I think that efficiency factor comes into it maybe a little bit more when we start talking about mid-major teams. Well, well, and also again, it with the idea that strong conferences elevates you, if you are playing in a strong conference and you, relatively speaking, weaken your non-conference, you're going to win a lot of games and you'll get the boost of being in the conference while having the wins. But for a team, like let's say USC, for example, if they were to go like six and 12 in the Pac-12, that's going to shoot their net rankings down by the time they get into conference play, Mm -hmm. even if they've done really well outside of the conference. Whereas for a lot of these mid-majors who have challenged themselves in the non-conference, when you get to conference play, if you are going to do really well in your conference, that will then add more wins to kind of elevate you. I do want to point out specifically, since you bring up Creighton, I am not going to be the one that says that's a mid-major, by the way. I'm leaving you to hang out on that one. But Creighton... (laughs) at seven and one is ranked 10th in part because of some of the wins they've had. They have played one home game so far this season and seven of their eight contests have been road games. They had been beating just about everybody. They unfortunately took their first loss just yesterday. As we record this on Monday, they lost at St. John's in their first weekend of Big East action, but they had beat Villanova on the road. They spent November going everywhere and beating pretty much everybody. They beat South Dakota state, South Dakota, Northern Iowa, uh, it's been an impressive run for them. I had them in my top 10 coming into this week in the AP poll. I've dropped them a little bit just because of the loss to St. John's. St. John's, by the way, not a bad team either. No. So it's 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 certainly one where it can mat- meet the eye test when you see how the net elevates a team. But part of part of the way that the formula works at this point does inflate major conference teams that have got a great record, even if we think maybe that's not where they'll end up. No, I agree with you. And I think that's the eye test is one of those things that always comes into play. And I think early in the season, that's where we put a lot of it. I think the eye test that people take is what they see on paper, but you have to actually start watching teams on the floor. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more um, as we talk top 10 of net and get into this week's AP poll in just a minute here with Alex. But before we do that, I have to tell you about our friends at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget. You can book an SUV or a minivan for a road trip, a pickup truck for some errands, or even test drive an EV. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms and conditions, and exclusions do apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo. Com. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. For your second listen today, check on Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app 
YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I am joined by Alex Simon and Alex. All right, let's continue to talk about net rankings as it relates to women's basketball. Also today, December 5th, their, the AP poll is out. As we look at the top 10 of this net ranking, I've got this magic sheet printed off here in front of me. Um, we talked about Creighton. They sit at number 10. We've got uh, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and, and NC State at 9, 8, and 7, all three ACC squads. Number with, six. With a ACC squad at 11, by the way, in North Carolina. So you got correct. four in the top 11 there from the ACC. Yeah, which is, I mean, loaded. And we all know that. And if you continue to watch, and we saw the Big Ten or the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I had that note written down just a little bit ago. We look at the ACC, won eight of the 14 matchups in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, five and two on the road. So if anybody questions how tough the ACC is, how they fared in the non-con, the conference schedule is going to be even worse. Um, all right, so then comes Utah, the second Pac-12 team. They sit at number six. So if we count down from one to five, one is South Carolina. Seems like a no-brainer to me. Number two is Stanford, 10-1 and one of the Pac-12. Number three is UConn. They are 6-1, and one, that first loss coming on the road at Notre Dame yesterday. A huge win for the Irish. A tough loss for UConn. AZ Fudd goes down. That's still all to be determined. Um, Indiana sits at four in the net rankings of the Big Ten. Uh, one of the top, they're the, the number, the top team in the big 10. The next is Michigan at number 14, but then we look at number five and that is the LSU Tigers out of the sec, the second sec team in the top 10 of the net. Talk to me a little bit about the Tigers. What do you see? And is this five? Is this one of those eye tests that somebody looked on paper and maybe haven't really watched a lot of basketball yet? Uh, yeah, it, it was a really rough week if you were watching LSU basketball as an LSU fan. Um, they played two in-state games this week and probably were way closer in both of them than they sh thought they should be. Southeastern Louisiana was on Tuesday, and a Baton Rouge native for the Lions came in and just torched LSU all throughout the game. Alexius Horn finished with 28 points on 11 of 23 shooting the tigers did eventually pull out a win by eight points over a, a sila team now that we have the net we can point out that's a team at in the i believe they're like nine did i see this correctly that they're 99th in the net ranking mm -hmm. which if you're a team like lsu hey 99th's not the worst thing in the world you know there's a hundred there's what 361 teams in the net this year but lsu's non-conference schedule that was the best team they had played until yesterday on sunday when they went to Tulane, which was i believe only their first actual road game of the season because the other things they had played in were neutral sites right and when they went to Tulane, it still was a game that was close deep into the contest they ended up pulling away and winning by 13 thanks to a 10 point fourth quarter advantage but this is an lsu team that everybody had kind of hyped up as one of the top teams in the country they've brought in some big transfers including angel reese but the everybody could see that their non-conference schedule was paper thin the two-lane green wave that they just played are ranked at 63rd in the net, and that's the best team they've played so far this year in non-conference. And the only team left in their non-conference who's even close is Oregon State, which comes in at 59. So they're not playing a top 50 team once until they get to conference play in the SEC. And they have some pretty major flaws just in watching them on the court. They have not been able to rebound well. Their offense has been doing great against the – 
low level competition that they had been playing for most of the mm-hmm. season, but they just hit a very hard thud against a Southeast Louisiana team that while, you know, is decent, that same Utah team you just mentioned, I think put up like a hundred. Did I see it correctly? Yeah. Utah put up 99 on that same team and LSU got 63. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there's been a lot of, of people kind of skeptical with LSU just because of the fact that their schedule, I'm one of them. They come in at five on the net. Uh, the AP poll, even in a very chaotic week this week, yes, where several teams were moving up and down and a lot of teams had big wins, big losses. LSU stayed at 11 despite being undefeated. There's now, I think six teams and f- seven teams in front of them, excuse me, that have a loss mm-hmm. when LSU, a, you know, top team in a top conference is still undefeated that I think that's kind of everybody evaluating their schedule and saying this I have LSU by the way down at like 24 mm-hmm. in my poll because when you're not impressing against a soft schedule look if you if you're just beating everybody up fine but when it's a soft schedule and you're struggling against it that's alarming to me well, and it also seems like you mentioned, you're talking about two in-state rivals in Southeast Louisiana and you play Tulane. Those are programs then that are going to be, they're going to be jacked up. They're going to be ready. They want to perform well. You know, that you're talking about bragging rights in the state of Louisiana to a certain extent um, about, you know, women's basketball and saying, hey, you know, we, we, we competed with LSU. There's all this conversation. There's a lot of bells and whistles and confetti and things that happen as it relates to LSU women's basketball. Mm-hmm. People want to, you want to go in there and you want to perform. I feel like these teams did that and gave themselves a chance to be in the ball games. It maybe says a little bit more about LSU not being necessarily ready to play than it does about about the performances of these other teams. I would have expected them to be ready to go and play well. Yeah. And again, like I, uh, Corey Davis is the reporter down in Louisiana who covers the Tigers women's basketball program. They don't work down there. Um, and he was pointing out a lot of the quotes from Kim Mulkey were very much like, this is, this is a bad performance from our part. We need to step it up. Even though like everything about this, we knew was going to be the case coming in, but we still didn't perform to the level that we should uh, mm-hmm. And like Angel Reese in the immediate aftermath of the Sela game said that this game humbled them, mm-hmm. which you get the win. So it's going to look fine on the record in the long run. It's not going to be a bad loss, but that's certainly the type of thing that if you're a team that's supposed to be in the national conversation at the level that LSU is, uh, is an alarming thing to hear in that regard. And especially because once they get to conference play, I'm not sure if you've looked ahead, Missy, but looking down the line, their first conference game is against Arkansas at the end of this month. And this is an Arkansas team that has looked really good so far this season, but LSU, we may not even really get the like full barometer check until January. Once they get into conference play, they'll play Arkansas again. They've got Tennessee at the end of January. They only play South Carolina once this season in conference play, but that there's there's a lot to question that uh the net ranking being where it is only adds a little more intrigue that the net sees them so high compared to kind of how the rest of us that have watched the games that they've played might be a little concerned with well and, and 
it kind of comes down to the true factor of is that the net is literally a metric and that it is a metric created on a formula and that formula goes in and it spits it out and whether or not, you know, I think that's going to be the piece from today on out of how people dissect the net Keeping in mind, it's one of a host of criteria that the Women's Committee uses in their selection, but that it is a driver and that it does give you, I think, a barometer of where teams are, but also where they may have a little bit of a false sense of security. With that said, let's talk about this week's AP poll. Um, Let's just talk about a couple of the storylines that are on it, and then we'll come back and we'll dive into some of the teams, the movers and the shakers. Um, No longer do we have Texas, Tennessee, or Louisville in the top 25. Louisville is out for the first time since 2016. Um, The best ever ranking for Virginia Tech, as they sit at number seven. The best since 2009 for Ohio State, as they sit at number three. And then a record-breaking, I believe, 619 weeks that Tara Vanderveer has had a team in the AP Top 25 poll. So those are just some of those storylines that stand out to you. As you looked at your poll, as you looked at at what you submitted, what do we make of Louisville and, and Texas? And what happens now when we think about those two programs going forward for the rest of the season? I'm going to give Texas a little bit more of a pass, though I do not have them ranked because the loss to South Florida was very alarming with Rory Harmon back. Um, Without Rory, when they lost the three games in the one week, basically at UConn and then the two games down in the Bahamas, I I don't want to discredit them too heavily for it. It was actually really more the South Florida loss that really kind of stood out to me. But I think Texas is going to be one of those teams that probably ends up being okay once they get into conference play healthy. They've had a bunch of transfers. I would like to say a team that has the amount of talent that they have. I don't want to give them the excuse because you look at teams like Connecticut who have had a ton of turmoil in the run up to the season and they've still been able to figure it out up until literally they lost the only other healthy superstar that they had for the second half of their game Sunday. So already down page backers, FUD's not playing the second half. I can kind of see why. And that's why I think, frankly, the net even was able to recognize this, but voters have been high on UConn. They've kept UConn high. I think the Louisville and and especially what happened with Tennessee in terms of off the court stuff at Tennessee, those are the ones where it's kind of a status check. Louisville's had their players and to go and lose by double digits. I think it was even by 20, if I saw correctly to middle Tennessee state yesterday is a huge cause for concern and Tennessee there's the vagueness around Jackson and what kind of is going on with the program. There multiple players out with a concussion. They did end up battling Virginia tech very close. That's a little bit of an Appalachian rivalry that way, but there's certainly a lot going on there that makes you kind of, have some concerns more. And and I'll bring up a stat, the great Alexa Phillip who over at ESPN got this from the stats and info team there, but all three of those teams that we mentioned were top 10 in the preseason and they're all unranked by the fifth poll of the season entering this year. Again, those are those three entering this year. There'd only been three times that that had happened since 1989, 1990. So we basically had double the amount of those top 10 to weigh out in, in a month that we had had for, a generation plus, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, the, it is. And and three, I mean, historically, 
successful women's basketball programs, ones that have set the bar for others all across the country. You think about Tennessee, think about Texas and the history and the tradition they have. And Louisville, Louisville, kind of one of those newer teams on the horizon, but has been successful and has put it all together over the course of the last couple of years. And then all of a sudden they were just just in the the final final four four last year. Right. Exactly. I mean, and and brought most of that, most of that team's back too, which is maybe the part that's even more alarming. No, I, I would agree because I think it's something that maybe we see more in men's basketball with a team that gets to the final four, you know, maybe wins the national championship, but that's going to mean they've got a lot of one and dones and that kind of thing. They may fall down and they, they aren't as, you know, people don't look at them as much of a contender. I don't think it's the same thing in women's basketball. I think once you've reached that final four status and you've been there, the, that expectation stays and to see Louisville fall out of the pole completely is very eye opening. I think for a lot of people. Um, okay. We're going to talk more about, uh, this week's poll where Alex put some, uh, put some teams who are some of the movers and the shakers. What are the surprises for him in just a moment? We also have our friends at betonline.net and betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. College football bowl season is upon us, which means everyone's bet online will be burning up. Get those phones ready. Start finding those picks because there's going to be a lot of fantastic bowl games out there. Bet online is where the game starts. Alex Simon is here with me. I am Missy Heidrich. This is Locked On Women's Basketball. All right, sir, let's um, tell me some of your surprises. What has stood out to you this week? Things in the poll, uh, teams that impressed you, that maybe you moved up, a couple maybe you moved down. Uh, what struck you as this being, I think, as we've said, maybe one of the most dramatic weeks in just the beginning of this college 22-23 college basketball season? Yeah, so I, I put this stuff together for my post over at Bay Area News Group, but four of the teams in last week's top 10 took a loss last week, and 11 total teams had a loss, including Louisville's two losses while they were ranked still. So that kind of caused all sorts of chaos. The one that stood out to me, I actually want to give a highlight to a team that in a loss, I think actually earned more respect, which is UCLA. Um, there was a very strange kind of foul and technical foul assessed to Kiki Rice with like a minute and a half to go when they played at South Carolina last week. Mm-hmm. And this, this was like on Monday. So it feels like a lifetime ago to some extent, but like <laughs> with, with that loss, it, it was eventually a nine point loss that felt more like to everybody, like a, a one possession game. Mm-hmm. And I had had UCLA in my ranking already at 10 and kind of with the chaos this week, they struggled a little bit against UC Santa Barbara. That's kind of a Corey close that's Corey Coase's alma mater for one. Right, and again, right. she probably was a little nervous about just for the sake of it. But I have UCLA. I think the Pac-12 has a top line level that continues to impress in every chance they get. Stanford's got its one loss to South Carolina, a game that they blew a huge lead in, but has looked really impressive. Otherwise, they've now destroyed two mid-majors that I think are two of the best in the country in Gonzaga and Florida Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. 
Utah has a massive win over Oklahoma and has continued to look really good in its non-conference play. Arizona is about to play its best non-conference game of the season so far this week against Kansas, but they're still undefeated. Kansas is the first team out of the top 25, so they're effectively 26. Um, I, I just think the Pac-12 has those teams. I have them higher, but they end up with Arizona 12, UCLA 13, Utah 15, Oregon 17 as for the five teams beneath Stanford that's held at number two. And I just think the Pac-12 has such a depth of quality, not just that they have a good team at the top in Stanford, but that second tier, if you will, is so good right now that I think a lot of people are starting to see it with the way that they've played in the non-conference. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's way more to the Pac-12. I think it is robust. I mean, it is not just a one this is, you know, just not a, a one trick pony, as people always used to like to say that there was just and that, you know, Arizona was up and down and there might be somebody that would compete with Stanford, but they stood so far head and shoulders above. They may prove themselves to do that with the rest of the league. However, I think that the rest of the league continues to be to get better, to improve, that they're all they, they're getting players that run their systems, that they that, that it just is a good fit. And that's what I like to see. Um Talk to me. I, I'm I'm a fan of what I'm seeing out of the Big Ten these days. Um, number one, I think Indiana continues to battle. You know, they sit at nine and zero. They're without Grace Berger right now. She's and we don't know for how long she's going to be out. I would I would say Indiana's win over North Carolina, knowing that it was without Grace, but especially the way they beat a North Carolina team without her, was maybe the most impressive win of the season so far. Yeah, because they killed them. And it was really not close when everybody would have thought you're missing your best player. I mean, mm -hmm. I have to like, and to still do that, that said, I, I thought that was a great win. And that said, you see the depth right now and the quality of the depth because of the fact that Illinois gave them quite a scare and Illinois looks really good. I think that league right now has a ton of interesting teams, even if, you know, like Minnesota's taken a loss or two, but they have one of the best freshmen in the country. Uh, I am the name is blanking, but Mara Braun uh, yes. Howard's been raving about her since he saw her the first day of the season. I, I just think there's so many interesting teams in the big 10. They're going to beat each other up. Like we see, yeah. I mean, Nebraska struggled at, early in the season, but they just killed Maryland in the second half yesterday. And that's a Maryland team that just went into Notre Dame and got a win. Like this is part of the chaos is everybody's beaten everybody so far to start the season. Yeah, and that, I think that's the great part of it because I think what we're seeing fantastic women's basketball all across the board. I'm I'm a huge fan of Michigan. I always have been. I love uh, what Kim Barnes-Rico has done there. I think she has built something very grassroots-esque in terms of finding players that buy in that are part. She's got a great culture. Um, you know, a lot of people wrote them off because there was no Nas Hillman this year that they were going to look very different. I think that they, you know, they just continue to kind of slowly move up in the polls. They sit there now at 14 at nine and zero. Uh, we talk about Maryland, as you said, but you got to give hats off to Nebraska for that huge win. Actually the first time Nebraska has beat Maryland ever since they've started in that the, they were oh in 15 against maryland prior to yesterday so and nebraska gets themselves two votes and i think a lot of it was because of the way they battled in such a decisive win on the road um but it's, I, I just feel like the big 10 is going to shake things up all season like the pac-12 there's just a lot of dynamic there that's going to make for great basketball 
Yeah, and I mean, you can even see it in the way that, you know, Iowa so far this season has challenged itself in its non-conference schedule and has picked up a few losses because of it. They already have lost to Drake, uh, excuse me, to Kansas State on the road at the game. I'm, I think, if I'm not mistaken, somebody I did. I at. had that game, yeah. Uh, they've gone and played UConn and lost. They had NC State come in as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge and lost. They're about to get Iowa State this week as another barometer check before they really get into conference play. But throughout the league, Ohio State's got some big wins. They picked off a win in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We mentioned Indiana already. Michigan, I do want to call out to Michigan has a win over Baylor. They'll still place this North Carolina team before they get deep into conference play. So there's a ton of teams in this Big Ten right now that you look at and you you realize it's not, again, it's kind of like what I talk about with the Pac-12. There's maybe not as clear of a number one the way that there is in the Pac-12, in part because both Ohio State and Indiana look really good and Iowa, you still believe in the talent. But the depth of teams that are going to be tournament teams, I think there's a reason why ESPN's Bracketology has nine Big Ten teams, maybe ten in there, yeah. because it is that deep of a league as well as that good. And it's December 5th. So if we could, if we want to try to prognosticate, you know, best of luck, because what it well, looks that's like. What, that's what we all do in the AP poll, Missy. That's kind of, <laughs> it's all just a prognostication, right? So that's exactly right. You get, you know, that's how it works because what you do today on the 5th, next Monday, it probably will look absolutely nothing like this. So, I, yeah, I mean, I started my season with Texas as the number three team in the country <laughs> and they're no longer here, right? That, there you that's go. the fun of this, right? We're all so learning other, as we go. Other than LSU, of which, you know, from your own personal poll, as you looked at it, not at all where you have them in your rankings. What's the surprise uh, for you, good or bad, or I should say good or bad, but in the sense of uh, what came out in the poll and what you had, what surprised you the most for this week? Yeah, I think um, the one that stood out to me as a surprise kind of, there's two that I'm going to say for the same reason. I think most voters did what I did as well, which was to drop UConn just a little bit for the loss in part because other teams had looked really good in their wins. I had Indiana and Ohio State and Virginia Tech leap over UConn. But the fact that the AP poll ended up with Notre Dame at five over UConn, to me as a as a whole voting group, I was shocked by that because of the fact that like UConn has beaten several of the other teams in the top 25. And we just saw Notre Dame take a pretty gnarly L to Maryland. And this is a Maryland team that, again, like we said, just went and got boat raced by Nebraska. So I kind of yeah. looked at that and and I get I get part of the thought, which is Notre Dame just beat this UConn team. So we it's weird that it ends up the AP poll. It is a group of voters and you tally all the points together. So it ends up that way. But I would have thought even with that loss and knowing how it happened for UConn that they had several key injuries in the game, let alone what they have coming in that I I'm keeping UConn above Notre Dame in, right now. And UConn's probably going to jump pretty quickly. If there's another loss or two there, the big East though is looking a lot deeper than I think anybody thought it was going to be coming into the season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I've loved Creighton from the start. And for Creighton to lose to St. John's, which is a good team, but not a team I thought that was going to beat Creighton, it looks like a bit of a mess right now all throughout the conference. And that's a good thing. I would say there's teams that have taken some surprising losses in the conference from what we would have thought. I can mention DePaul Seton hall has had a couple of losses to Ivy league teams that have now looked really competitive in the conference that 
I don't think UConn is going to have, I think this, I was talking about this actually on a playback that we do at the next with Howard when he let me crash. I think UConn's probably going to have its most conference losses that it's had in at least a decade, if not longer, with the one caveat being outside of Notre Dame when they were both in the Big East together. But even then, they only lost to Notre Dame like twice in one season. And I could see UConn, especially given their health issues, given because of that, the lack of depth that they have. I could see UConn dropping another three, maybe even four games in conference because this is the best conference they've ever played in in the last 20 years, maybe longer. Well, so. and I think you and I think the Big East is also showing that as it becomes much more of a, a relevant women's basketball conference, then these become very difficult places to go play on the road. So mm-hmm. what used to be just an automatic W when you went to Creighton or when I played at Villanova, uh, well, that isn't necessarily the case anymore. So now you've got UConn that's got to go on the road. They got to go to Creighton. They've got to go to Villanova. They're going to have to go to Marquette. You've got St. John's who's got 14 votes in the poll. Marquette with 30. You know, Seton Hall gets a vote. So this is not something that you can just write these off and automatically put in the W column. You're going to have to figure out a way to win on the road in this league, steal some, and then you better hold home court as well. That's where I think that's going to really push comes to shove in the Big East. And and I think nobody, I mean, for one, it is interesting to point out, UConn did lose a home game in conference last year to Villanova, if I'm mm-hmm. remembering that correctly. But um, I would tend to think you. I agree with you that UConn is probably likely to defend its own home court frequently throughout conference play, but going on the road each and every night is going to continue to be a challenge because this league is now like five or six teams deep and five or six tournament team level deep, let alone there's still at least two or three teams that aren't maybe NCAA tournament teams that are still challenging opponents to play night in and night out. Um, I think that, will certainly make things way more interesting, especially because UConn still has added its few very difficult non-conference games during the middle of conference season. We'll get a UConn-South Carolina game. They'll play Tennessee. Um, It's it's shaping up to be a season where you never really can go into a game knowing what to expect. And uh, I will point out, UConn hosts Princeton, and if they're not fully healthy on Thursday, that is a very good Princeton team. I'm just saying. They, no, they are. And I would say that's one of the ones I have circled. You mentioned Iowa State at uh, Iowa State at Iowa. Kansas goes and plays Arizona. I think there are some matchups this week that will tell us a lot about some of these teams in the top 25 poll. Week five, December 5th, uh, the first Monday of the month, you put net rankings and this poll together. And like I said, it has created a whole host of conversation out there for everybody in the world of women's basketball. All right, Alex, before I let you go, um, I'm a, a Midwesterner here. You know, um, I the Big 12 is my wheelhouse. So um, I was out and about yesterday, actually had to do a game, and then uh, was with my, my son at his youth games, got home and saw the ticker. And, oh, hey, by the way, Brock Purdy had to be inserted into the lineup. I know you're out there in the Bay Area, a lot going on the 49ers, but um, the what probably was could have been the mayor of Ames himself, Brock Purdy from Iowa State, getting the nod out there for the 49ers. How did that go over yesterday? I, I mean, he, he looked great for the most part. <laughs> By the way, Brock Purdy, even more of a convergence here because he's an Arizona guy, and I lived That's in Arizona right. for a long time too. So I've been seeing Brock Purdy 
before. And he, uh, the, the backup quarterback role was thought to be his until they figured out a way to keep Jimmy Garoppolo and then Trey gets hurt and then Jimmy gets hurt. So, uh, yeah, the Bay area is going to get to learn a whole heck of a lot about Brock Purdy this week, but, uh, I'm not going to worry about that cyclone until after we see what the cyclones do in Iowa city on Wednesday. We got to see what Ashley Jones and the cyclones are going to do against the Hawkeyes in a game that has become, I think, even more intriguing because both of those teams have struggled a little bit this season. That no, I, it, I think you're right. It, it's going to be, it's going to be a very Iowa state heavy week in my life. That's for sure. <laughs> But. There you go. Well, you can pull up all of the old stats from his college times. You'll learn, you'll know everything you needed to know about Iowa State football, in addition to great women's basketball action that's coming up. All right. Alex Simon has been fantastic. I'm so happy he's been here today. Alex, where does everybody find you on a daily basis, my friend? Uh, I, I'm over at Bay Area News Group, uh, the San Jose Mercury News. If you head to mercurynews.com for our content, I'm on Twitter at Alex Simon Sports, same handle on Instagram. Same on whatever social media platform we're supposed to push today. I don't know what it's going to be, but we'll figure it out. But uh, I am always a fan of the next, and this place has meant so much. So make sure you also head over to at the next hoops on Twitter to see everything that we do here. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you because you are a vault of information. And as an AP voter, then it's always one to be able to um, dive into what the numbers really talk about and who's doing what. And we're going to do this again before the season is over. Let me just tell you that. I want to thank thank Alex. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You can find me, Missy Heydrich on Twitter at Missy Heydrich. As Alex says, go to www.thenexthoops.com also on Twitter and this podcast at Locked on WBB. We've got you covered. Please join me here on Mondays to talk everything college hoops and come back all this week for more episodes with our amazing colleagues. It'll be college basketball and WNBA news, international news and notes, everything. We've got you covered as it relates to women's basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, you've got enough information to go for the week. Net rankings, AP polls, we've got you covered. Thank you so much for watching and for listening. We'll see you next time right here at Locked On Women's Basketball.